You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. All right, so as we enter into our third week here in our essential and vital series on the authority of God's Word, um, I want to remind us um, as to why this issue, this is, this is pretty key, I want to remind us um, as to why this issue of authority is everything to us today. Really, the, the, again, the foundation of because I said so in this series, why does authority matter so much? Well, let's look at it from this angle. Remember in Genesis chapter 3, with the arrival of original sin, the arrival of original sin with Adam and Eve, always remember that it all started with Satan saying to Adam and Eve, he said, did God actually say? The arrival of original sin began with the temptation of Satan himself. The first words, I mean, just think about this. The first words out of the mouth of Satan in Scripture is an attack on the authority of God's word. So how telling is that? The very first words the slimy serpent speaks are an attack on the credibility, the reliability, the trustworthiness, and the authority of God's word. What Satan did at the moment he came onto the scene, the first thing he does is attempt to downplay, to discredit, and to disillusion God's people with God's word. I mean, that is so important. That is so profound in a sense. And the strategy of Satan in the beginning, of course, is the strategy of Satan today. I mean, has anything really changed? When Satan tempts Adam and Eve and he didn't make them do it, they were responsible for their sin, of course, and so are we. But the temptation to say, did God really say? Are you sure that God meant? Did God mean this? Did he really mean what he said in this way? When he cultivated, when sin came into this world, what happens? Chaos erupts and devastation is very, very close behind. Whenever there's a loss of authority, loved ones, whenever the word of God begins to lose its credibility among the people, then anarchy is a result, chaos is seen, and devastation will always, always be there. Why? Because Why? God has given us his authority in his word ultimately to love us, to protect us, to provide for us, to keep us in a place of safety and blessing as he has laid out within his word. Listen to, listen to, has anything changed today regarding Satan's strategy of trying to destroy God's people? No, no, the strategy remains the same. Whenever you weaken the word, you weaken the church. Whenever you weaken the word, it will always then weaken the authority of God's word, of course, as well within the church too. And this is when you have disastrous consequences um, as a result. Look at this statement here on the screen. This is from a mainline denomination in our country right now, okay? This was a a denomination 75, 100 years ago would be as strong as we believe we want to be in the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ and the doctrine of God's word. But notice what happens little by little, decade after decade, year by year. Listen to what they now say about the authority of God's word. This is from their statement, okay? They say this, Authority is neither simply outside nor inside us. The Bible cannot stand alone. 
Our United Church tradition recognizes this fact when we affirm that the Bible is our sacred text. That sounds good, but that's not good, but not in the sense that the Bible was actually written by God. Hence, the basis of union does not say that the Bible is the Word of God, but that it contains it. Don't go on to the next slide yet. Just think for a second how devastating these phrases are. So the Bible is not the very Word of God. It contains some of God's Word, but which parts are God's and which parts are, and who's making these decisions? Who is the person that all of a sudden is placing themselves above God and becoming God and then allowing God's Word to serve us as opposed to us being serving God's Word? Here's the next part of the statement. They say this. In short, we are left to discern what is in the word of God today. Really? Can, are you able to see just how dangerous this is? This, isn't, this, is, this is reality right now. We are left to discern what is God's word today. Is there going to be any Bible at all in a few years? You know, while the Bible has an undeniable central role in our efforts to discern God's will for us in our time, it is not the only authority. Precisely because it is always mediated in particular times and places. Translation, we change it when we feel like changing it. And the authority really isn't any authority at all. It's just how we feel about it. And when culture changes, we decide to change the authority. Do you see how, dev and of course, and of course, this now denomination is empty of God and of power and of any life change and is absolutely going and it's in the direction of apostate church denying the inerrancy, the reality of Jesus Christ. And it just, it just on and on and on and on and on. Loved ones, that's why this series is so critical. That's why not everyone's going to want to hear the truth of this series. That's why we must. We must. It is a life-saving, life-changing, foundational series on if we don't hold tight to what God has given us so clearly, we're done. We are done. We cannot stay neutral. Neutral is going backwards. We must affirm and have such confidence and faith by the strength of God of what we're doing. But listen, listen. The strategy of Satan in the beginning is a strategy today. If you can corrupt authority and you see authority rejected, then the church begins to fall apart. This is why, listen, this is why we need authority. God has designed us, loved ones, to be men and women under authority, under his word, in the church, in the home, uh, children under parents. God has designed authority to be seen for the blessing and the good of his people. So here's where we've been throughout this series. In week number one, we had a God-given authority and errancy. In week number two, we had a time-tested authority, reliability. And now this week, we have a life-changing authority, sufficiency. And then from here, we do this. Let's do this. Let's please open our Bibles to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, all right? Open your Bibles. All I'm doing today is going word by word, verse by verse, from 2 Timothy 3, actually 14 to 17. So please open your Bibles to that, and we'll be excited to see what God has to say to us. All right, the fully inspired, inerrant word of God before us today. Are you excited? Are you excited? We should be. We should be. This is God's word to us. Thank you, Lord. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 says this. But as for you, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, Scripture, the Word of God. Notice, notice, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable, therefore, by, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why, why? That the man or woman of God may be competent, listen, this is so key, or complete, equipped for every good work. Now, our context for 2 Timothy is we find the Apostle Paul nearing the end of his life, and he knows it. And what Paul is doing here, Paul is pouring out truth by God's Spirit into the young life of his mentoree, Timothy. It's interesting to know that as Paul writes 2 Timothy, he's in jail, he's awaiting execution, okay? So he knows he's going to die for his faith in Jesus Christ ultimately. Here's a question I ask you. When you know that you're in jail and you're going to die, but you still have the freedom to write, what would you write down? What are the things that you would decide to say? Well, under the supervision and the direction of the sovereignty of God, what Paul writes now is one of the most essential pieces of Scripture about Scripture. And of course, that doesn't surprise us. What Paul does really, he grabs young Timothy by the scruff of the neck and he says, Timothy, I only got a few more days. I only got a a few more seasons to go here. You got to listen up to what I'm about to say. I'm going to give to you now what's, what's, what's most important on my heart. Timothy, listen, listen. This truth now, it's going to carry you right through. If you neglect this truth, you're done. You hold on to this truth. You continue in this truth. You hold to that which you have firmly believed, Timothy, and it will save you. It will cause you to be transformed and all the other listeners underneath your ministry. Hey, Timothy, Timothy, this is too important. Now listen up. The urgency of the day, the need for the word of God and his truth. And that's our context. And that's what brings us to the height and the importance that the word of God, listen, is a life-changing authority. And why is it a life-changing authority? Well, point number one explains it pretty powerfully, which is this, because the Word of God is, listen, listen, is sufficient to save my life. Think about that. The Word of God, loved ones, the only book in the universe that is sufficient to save my life. Again, look at verse 14 again. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice first in verse 14, he says, but as for you, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe. Now, but as for you in verse 14 is in contrast to the people mentioned in verse 13. You see it there? In verse 13, we see, we see Paul speaking of evil people and imposters. He's like, hey, Timothy, Timothy, listen, listen, listen. The reality is, remember, 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 how clear is God's word telling us what to expect? We shouldn't be surprised. I mean, are we shocked at the realities of the different temptations and opposition that comes against us? We should not be. It's promised in the word of God. Remember, align your expectations with what the Bible actually teaches. And the Bible's teaching over and over again. Listen, it's going to be tough. And evil people and imposters, man, they're coming and they're trying to attack the credibility of the word of God. But Paul says, but as for you, Timothy, I love that, man, I love that. But as for you, you can forget what they're doing. You continue in what you have firmly believed. The contrast, but as for you, is also in contrast in chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. 
And look at what's, what's listed there. But understand this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Again, Bible's promising us this. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous. Wow. But it goes on. Without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Remind you of anything? Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Hey, hey, Timothy, but as for you, all these other people are doing this, but as for you, you continue in what you have learned and what you have firmly believed. Continue in what you have been taught in the sacred writings of Scripture. So what a powerful exhortation this really becomes in light of Timothy's context, and might I add, in light of our context as well. Hey, Timothy, there's going to be evil men around you, but as for you, you continue in the truth. Hey, Timothy, there's going to be dark and evil times with a tremendous pressure to cave in, but Timothy, you continue in the word of God given to you. Timothy, persecution is inevitable. Look at verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Timothy, Timothy, it's going to be tough, man. The persecution's going to come. But listen, you must continue in the trust and the faith and that which you can absolutely be sure of, the very sacred writings of scriptures, the very word of God. So what a moment for Timothy then right here. So imagine Timothy the first time he's reading this, just sensing the, the, the power of God's spirit, filling his soul and renewing his mind. And we know Timothy had bouts of fear and he was timid at times and he saw the fear of man, but then he had to rely on the Lord himself. What a powerful exhortation for Timothy. Listen, what a powerful exhortation for us as well. And one of my questions right now is, where are the young men and women of our day? Where are the young men and women of our day here beneath this message right now? And what I know when I read this week, which is so key, listen, every generation must decide what they believe about the Bible. We can't decide it for the generation before us. And there are young people here right now, listen, listen, it is coming down to the point. You must decide what you will lean on. What will you believe in? Who will you stand for? Is Jesus Christ really your Lord? Is the word of God really written by him? And are you willing to count the cost of standing on the truth of that which has been for 2,000 years and will never ever die and will endure forever? Do you believe this by faith and God will use you then and where you are? Where are the young Timothys of our day? What a critical time. What an important moment there for Timothy. What an important moment for us as well. Who will be the young men and women who will continue? And look at verse 15. And Paul says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. See that? And how from childhood. I love that. Hey, Timothy, you've been taught, and Paul seems to know this from from a small child, you were acquainted with the scriptures of the word of God. Let me just say this, loved ones. Harvest kids in this church is not a waste of time. All right? There are Timothys all over the place within this ministry of Harvest Kids. Hey, hey, are you serving in Harvest Kids? Bless you. Are you considering serving in Harvest Kids? Bless you. What a privilege it is. Your Paul's like, man, hey, Timothy, from childhood, you were acquainted with the... Think of the Timothys we have right now throughout this building 
We have no idea who God is preparing in our midst. And the privilege, the ultimate privilege of taking God's word and depositing it into these children that they too might one day grow up and see the significance and the strength and the resolve to be used by God in the greatest calling ever, the furthering of the gospel and the advancing of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Here's what we also know about Timothy. In chapter 1, verse 5, he had a grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice, that Paul says they had a sincere faith, which he says, which I now know dwells in you also. The power of example of the word of God and a faith that is sincere, all building in to Timothy's life. It's so awesome to see. And we look at this, Timothy raised in God's word, raised in the way of Christ. Of course ups and of course downs and of course struggles and of course triumphs. And yet, the legacy that was left by his grandmother. Grandmother's here today, you'd be blessed, man. You have a powerful role in your children and, of course, grandchildren. Mom's here today. Of course, dads. The power of the example that is given to the children beneath us. I'm so convinced the greatest gift as parents we ultimately give to our kids is our holiness in Jesus Christ. It's our passion for him. It's an example in the ways of Christ and the love for God's word that they see and it's undeniable and irrefutable to the children to say, man, man, my parents, they're not perfect, but they love the Lord Jesus Christ and they're going after him. Yes, they sin and they confess their sin as well, but they have an example that I cannot deny that their Savior is Jesus Christ, and their love is the Lord God Almighty. But parents, what a time just to stop, and as I did this week, and just do a bit of a time out in God's Word. How from childhood you were acquainted with the sacred writings, Grandmother Lois, Mother Eunice, sincere faith. What a time, parents, to stop and just ask ourselves this question. What are we teaching our kids? What is it exactly that we teaching that we are teaching our kids? Are we teaching them sports and academics and and arts, which are all great things? But please hear this, man. None of those things will save your child's life. None of them. Okay? There's only one truth that's going to save your child's life. Are we so burdened? And this happens all the time. We are a very child-centric society, and we quickly have our kids form into idols within our lives, and we protect them to the point that we hurt them. And are we so burdened to see the development of our children in the way really that we want to make into our own image in them? And are we so burdened for these things that we have so much time put in, so much money put in, so much passion put into things that in the end ultimately will add up to boop when it comes to the eternal realities of what's happening. Now listen, just step back and just ask these questions. Now, let me be clear. My kids are in sports, okay? Uh, I want my kids to do well at school. Um, and it comes to the arts in my family, not so great, all right? But listen, I value that. I value that, okay? Those things are happening, but at the end of the day, the question I have to ask myself, what am I really teaching my kids? What is the example that I am showing to them? Remember this, parents. This is one of the fundamental problems we see that's happening within our day. But with Timothy was so blessed. We can't lead our kids to the place we're not willing to go. One of the greatest reasons that the children in the church don't have a pursuit of God and a fervency for him is because we don't either. 
You can't teach your kid to be fired up for Jesus if you're sitting there all the time fired up for self and the world and pleasures and whatever it is. If all you're doing is be smart and be bed in sports and go and create some great art, whatever it is, and do this, and that's all you're telling them. They're learning. My dad and mom, all they care about is this. And they could, be, they could win the Nobel Prize. They could be the next LeBron James. They could be the best artist ever. But they don't have Christ. They have nothing. What is this? It's, it's called wisdom. Honestly, what are we teaching our kids? How from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, the sincere faith of your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice. Timothy, you continue what you've learned and firmly believed. You know, this past weekend, um, our junior high ministry is doing a retreat, which was sold out. It was so great. Pastor Carl took them out. Let's put some pictures here up on the screen. And so this was a spiritual disciplines retreat for junior highs. So what they're doing this weekend, Pastor Carl, and again, bless his leadership, he is teaching them about the word of God, how to study the word of God, and then practically giving them opportunities to go do that, that they can gain as much insight and, and develop skills as they go through the lives of ministering with God's word. So what you see here, this is a bunch of kids. They're all doing their quiet time reading God's word. One guy's on a slide. This guy's down at the dock. And they are all have these questions they're answering in their cabin. And there they are. And like all our junior high students right now being blessed. Listen, 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 okay? The sports team's not doing this, okay? Understand that? Um, the art class isn't doing this. And in, in the end, this book, this book will save lives, okay? All the other stuff, can't boast of that. I'm not against any of those things. I just told you, man. I, my kids do it too, okay? But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it will not add up to anything of eternal value apart from the truth and the sufficiency of the word of God. What example are we showing to them Oh, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Look now again at verse 15. Look at verse 15. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay? So this becomes a fairly significant statement pertaining to the doctrine of the word of God. Let me read it again. Don't miss it. Underline it. Circle it. Do something. Okay? Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let me say this. Hey, parents, let me say this for a second, okay? This is very important. Let me just apply the gospel in a moment of conviction. If what we just went through right there and you're feeling guilty and you feel condemned and you're feeling, wow, I stink, okay? In the name of Jesus Christ, the whole point of the gospel is you are forgiven of any and all sins, okay? The whole point of the gospel is you and I can't do it. You feel like a failure? Okay, so do I. I am a failure. That's why I need Jesus Christ, okay? So today's a new day. So we sit here. I love conviction. Conviction's the best, man. I love, con- not condemnation, I love conviction because I want to grow and change by that. Listen, I'm not condemned because Jesus Christ has covered any and all sins ever in my life. I embrace the conviction. I shun the condemnation. You're here right now. Don't be guilty. The Lord loves you and he calls you and corrects you and trains you in righteousness as we will see because he wants more from you as he lives in you. So the gospel says, man, yeah, I'm a failure that's why i need jesus christ okay on my own i can do nothing so bye bye guilt bring on conviction let's see life change for him listen god loves you man his strength his grace his love in your life to be the best possible parent you can be not by your strength not by your effort by his in your life right now understand understand the grace of god is everywhere receive it that's the whole point of the gospel okay all right i'm so glad god reminded me to say that okay forget the guilt 
but let's have conviction for change, yes. And the power, God, I can't, I can't be a parent in, in the way, I can't do this, God. I can't set this example on my own. If I try hard, I'll just, I, exactly. I can't do it, Lord, but you can in me. But you can in me. And so I place myself before you and say, help me, oh God. Because as a parent, Robbie Simons is a failure every single day. But by the strength and the grace of Jesus Christ, man, it's exciting to see what he will do. Help us, Lord. Amen, church? Help us, Lord. All right? So important. Apply the God. Always apply the gospel. Always apply the gospel right in our text as it is right now as well. So, so what we're learning here, again, the sufficiency of Scripture make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So again, this is one of the great verses that's explaining what it means that the Bible is sufficient. Let me put that definition up on the screen for you, okay? This is the sufficiency of Scripture. Which This is Kevin DeYoung's uh, definition, which is this. The scriptures contain everything we need for knowledge of salvation and godly living. Okay? The point of the sufficiency of scripture is we don't need any new revelation from heaven. The Bible is enough. If all we had, if all we had was this book, we'd be good. All right? God has given us everything we need to understand salvation and to pursue godly living in Christ Jesus. This is what it means to have the sufficiency of Scripture. It's not the Bible and. It's just the Bible. It's the Bible. Other books can be helpful as they point back to the Bible. But if we only had one book, this is the the sufficiency of Scripture. What is the necessity of Scripture? Here's the next definition. The necessity of Scripture is this. That general revelation is not enough to save us. General revelation is, there's a book that God has written in his word. There's also a book that's God written in the world. Meaning creation shouts the design of God. Everywhere you go, if you stop long enough, there's a sense, there's a designer from the ants on the ground to the stars in the sky and everything in between. There is a, there's a God above us. General revelation also gives us a moral compass within a sense of right and wrong. The reason there are laws of this land, there's reason that, that parents don't take their children and kill them before them. It's just unthinkable in almost every possible scenario that we could come up. Why? There's a moral compass within between right and wrong. But what the necessity of Scripture says, general revelation is not enough. We cannot know God savingly by means of personal experience and human reason. We need God's word to tell us how to live, who Christ is, and this is so key, how to be saved. So scripture is necessary, and listen, listen, you can't be saved apart from the gospel. In some form, in some way, the special revelation God revealed in his word, his son Jesus Christ, at some form, preached to us, read in his word, verse explained, whatever it is, the gospel must be presented for people to truly be saved. That's the necessity of scripture. You don't just walk out and see the sun and go, oh, I understand Jesus Christ and I'm a sinner, I need a savior. That doesn't happen. You need the gospel explained. That's why he's given us his word. Sufficient and necessary is what we're learning here, which are able to make you wise for salvation. Okay? So don't miss how profound this is then from Paul. Hey, Timothy, hey, Timothy, continue in that which you have learned and firmly believed in the truth, listen, that has saved you. The word of God and the gospel within is literally a book that takes people from death to life. The illumination of scripture will be the difference between eternal heaven 
and eternal hell. Okay? The contents of this book explain the path to glory with Jesus Christ. Um, that makes this book fairly important. And there's only one book that can claim such power and claim such truth. But it's amazing when you see the Bible is able to make you wise for salvation. You hear from so many Christians or believers, well, actually, I'm too busy to read my Bible. Really? Well, I'm too lazy. We're on it. I'm too lazy to read my Bible. Well, you know what? I'd rather work out, sleep in, watch TV, check email, do makeup, check stocks, shop online, eat food, text a friend, drink coffee, play music, see a movie, read fiction, decorate house, choose a new outfit or plan a vacation. But wisdom calls out right now, okay? I love when wisdom calls out. And wisdom says all those things might be okay. Again, here, 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 here. Wisdom, 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 wisdom. None of those things can save your life. None of them. There's one message and one person that can save our lives. Again, you can be the greatest in everything in all the world, but if you don't have the truth of scriptures, you have nothing. What is that? It's wisdom. It's wisdom. What's my life about? How am I spending my time? What am I focusing on? What are the things I'm thinking about? Who do I desire to be? And notice, notice right there in verse 15, notice, notice, through faith in Christ Jesus. It's this book that points us to the grace of Jesus Christ and receiving him by faith. By faith we receive Jesus Christ. So hear what the Bible's saying. We don't read the Bibles to earn our salvation. We read the Bibles to learn of salvation. And we understand and we see Jesus Christ. We give our lives through faith, not by works, but through faith. And we see the sufficiency of the word of God. And so if God's word is sufficient, of course then it carries an inherent authority, which is unlike any other. This book, loved ones, look here, look here, look here, look here. This book is the one tangible gift that God has given to his church. The one tangible gift we can hold and read and flip the pages, it's here. God has written a book and he's given it to us as a gift that is sufficient for for life, for transformation that carries us through this life. It's sufficient to save my life. And we learn this as well when it comes to God's word. Number two, it's sufficient to transform my life, obviously. This book can save my life and this book can transform my life. Look now at verse 16, verse 16, it says, and this should be familiar, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why, why? That the man of God may be competent and equipped or complete and equipped for every a good work. So verse 16 circles us back to the beginning of this series as to the doctrine of inspiration. And this is the truth that every word in the Bible, every word has been put there by God, more accurately has been breathed out by God. And anything that is breathed out by God is guaranteed to be perfect. And if the word of God is perfect, then of course then it becomes, verse 16, profitable. It becomes profitable. Profitable uh, means um, what is supernaturally beneficial. Profitable means what is supernaturally um, sufficient, okay? So look at the Bible this way. The Bible is really a one-stop shop, okay? 
You know those stores you go to and they claim to be a one-stop shop and there's nowhere else you need to go. You can get groceries and hardware and everything seemingly in between. When we come to God's word, it is sufficient and therefore there's nowhere else we need to go. It's a one-stop shop. Man, everything I need, again, is found right here. It is profitable for all the main categories of my life. We ask, but how specifically is it profitable? Well, verse 16 gives four reasons which are very obvious, but let's just put them on the screen beside me so we can go through them one by one together. How is Scripture profitable? Well, number one, it does this. Um, It teaches me. A Scripture teaches me. Now, this should be immensely obvious on one level. The Word of God is our teaching authority. But as we began this message, the battle for our day is ultimately for truth. And let me say what Jesus said again, okay? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. Every, every, every word that comes from uh, the mouth of God. The word teaching here in verse 16 can also be translated doctrine. So understand this, okay? Understand this. If doctrine is not taught, the people die. If the teachings of the Lord, if the teachings of Jesus Christ are not taught then the people will die. This is why teaching and doctrine is so stressed, especially by Paul, as he's pouring into Timothy. Because Timothy, if you waver on teaching and doctrine, man, you're done. Let's just go through uh, 1 Timothy and the amount of times doctrine or teaching, those words synonymous, that they come up from Paul to Timothy as he pours into, hey, listen, listen, you got to be aware of sound doctrine, because it's everything. So here are verses from 1 Timothy. Here's the first one, 1 Timothy 1. He's explaining the, the, the evil in his day, um, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Uh, Timothy, avoid, avoid. You must hold to what is true and what is, what is proper. Here's the next verse in 1 Timothy Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Careful, Timothy, careful, man, teaching and doctrine and the Word of God, it's everything. Here's the next verse. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. This This is one letter that we're going through right now. How much the stress is on the teachings and the doctrines of Christ. That's why this series is so important. We cannot survive without laying our foundation in the Lord. Here's the next verse. Um, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to the teaching of Scripture. Next verse. Uh, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching, the doctrine. Persist in this. Notice this. For by doing so, you save both yourself and your hearers. The emphasis on doctrine and teaching. One letter in God's word. Here's another verse in 1 Timothy. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Because if this isn't done, man, the church doesn't survive. Next verse. 1 Timothy 6. Let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching, the doctrine, may not be reviled. And I think there's one more verse that's here. If anyone teaches a different doctrine 
and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. The commands are to avoid such people. Just, just, just see, see, one of the things we have to do as we go through this series is just recognize that, well, God's made it pretty clear. Like, there's so many people, pastors, leaders included, again, who will stand before the Lord, and the Bible, in a sense, has kind of been behind them, and they'll be standing before God, and he's like, so how come you didn't teach what I gave you again? So what, what was the problem? I, I just don't know what they're going to say. Well, uh, it just wasn't clear enough. Really? Like I wasn't, sometimes, sometimes what, this is the tactics of, of Satan too, sometimes what's most obvious becomes most confusing. The things like just, if you just take God at his word, if you just read what he said, it's pretty hard to, to misunderstand. It's pretty hard to misunderstand. He really cares about this book. In fact, he's given this to us as a means of protecting us and loving us and securing us in him. It's, it's, it's just pretty obvious, isn't it? Isn't it? And, and so this is what we have to see. But again, Satan comes in and says, but did God really say in chapter 3, verse 16? Did he really mean to say maybe this? Aren't you a little bit afraid the culture's doing it? The culture's coming in. Maybe careful. He may not be liked as much. And like, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. And the subtleties and the deception and the slow little minor changes grow into massive major changes. And then you're left with a church without a gospel at all. It teaches me, it teaches me. Let me point out the obvious. This series is life-saving and life-giving. Remember, love them, love them. The one thing that God has given us over time that has kept the church on track through all the false teaching, through all the attacks of Satan, has been this book. The one thing that has saved the church over and over and over again is you open the authority of God's word and you say, wait, 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 wait. God has said and what you're saying is wrong. This is the difference between a a believer on the track of God and a church on the path of God. It's always been his book. Without the book, there would be no church of Jesus Christ following the path for the glory of God. Wouldn't you know it, of all the weekends, for this to happen in the study and all that I'm thinking and saying and, and preaching right now, yesterday, a couple of young Mormon men show up at my door, all right? And I saw them walking up to the house, and I was kind of getting ready, you know, to come to Saturday night service and a little bit of time. And, you know, my initial reaction was like, oh, you know. But then I was like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. And then you go open the door, and you're like, let's talk. Um, no, and I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, I just, I just out of love and, and just start asking questions. Hey, where are you from? From Utah. Where are you from? From Idaho. You guys are missionaries here? Wow. That's impressive. Da, da, da. Um, so tell me, what do you believe? What do you believe about Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he was actually the son of God? We believe that he was, uh, yes, yeah, see, we believe that. Do you believe he was God? Well, no, we don't. Why don't you believe that? Where do you find that? What did I go on this conversation of saying, what are your scriptures? Is the Book of Mormon higher than the authority of God's word? How do you know so? How come that being, I wasn't fully brushed up on my Mormonism at that point. I've studied different points in times and it's just a great reminder to continue, continue to learn, continue to be there. But I knew enough to be able to ask some questions. We had this, honestly, this, 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 this conversation where at the end of just saying, listen, this is what I know and this is why I believe what I believe and this is why, again, everything comes down to this. These, these poor, good-looking, young, polite men are being led astray by a false gospel. And at the end, I was able to look at them and say, you came here today to speak to me, but I believe, I believe in the name of Jesus Christ, you're here today so I could tell you the truth and what's actually real in this life. And there they are, and they're just like, uh, you know, and 
And, and, but but even, even too, I could also sense the pride, though, because you're so ingrained in what you've been taught, and you've been prepared that so many people are going to come up and say this and that, and you've got to say this at that point, whatever. And still, my prayer is, though, as they left that place, I did not convince them in that moment. I can't do that. I can't change people. But my prayer at these young men who really, who really have just been brought up in this and have no exposure to that they will have my voice annoying them, haunting them in their ears all night long. And all, and I am, I'm praying, God, would you, would you keep the truth of what you have gave me to share by your word with that truth be ringing in their ears for days and weeks and months to come? And would you give them enough doubt of where they are that they will be seekers of truth, you know? It's just amazing, Senior. But all that to say, all that to say, this book, man, it's the difference and I can stand there with all the confidence and the authority of God himself, and I can say, I know what the truth is. And I can prove that the book that you hold to, the Book of Mormon, is an error as it contradicts itself over and over again, and just the reliability of no one will stand up to that. But the testing of God's word and the path that we have, it's amazing. This book, loved ones, it, it teaches us. It teaches us. It does this next. It, it rebukes me. The word of God reproves me or rebukes me. Think of all the times that God's word has been used to expose the sin in our hearts. Think of how God's word becomes a shining light into the hidden areas of our lives. Listen, reproof here in verse 16, reproof is a rebuke that brings conviction. So biblical reproof targets sinful behavior and false doctrine. So a life, listen to this, this is very important for all of us who struggle with pride, which is everyone. A life without biblical reproof is a life guaranteed to be lost. If we are not reproved by God's word, we will be lost. A life without biblical conviction is a life that cannot possibly be healthy. Why? Because the heart is just too prone to wander. That is why a continual exposure to God's word becomes everything. Because if I'm not reproved, I cannot grow. I need to be shown where I'm in error. And only, listen, only the word of God carries such authority and sufficiency to change my life in this way. It's the reproof of God upon the heart that is soft that finds the grace of God. So reproof and conviction, it hurts, yes, but it's what leads to healing. It hurts. Some of us today are hurt, but I pray in a good way. Oh, that hurts. That's, that's so true. But it leads to healing because I want to change now by the grace of God. So where there's teaching and reproof, then this must happen also. There must be correction. This is the third element. God's word, it corrects me. It corrects me. Notice verse 16. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, and for correction. So the soft heart is so blessed because the soft heart accepts being uh, reproved, and then when they find reproof, they find correction for their life. See that word correction there? It means to straighten to its original and proper condition. I love this so much because so many lives have come into this place over the years and have been messed up and crooked and miserable. 
I'm no different from this at all. But what does God's word do? God's word takes you, breaks you, puts you back together, corrects you, and blesses you. And life after life, over and over again, I came in here, man, I was a mess, and I got corrected. I got straight into my proper condition under the word of God, and I've never been the same again. Yeah, life is tough, and yeah, there's ups and downs, but at the end of the day, I know who I am. I know I'm loved by God. I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'm a child of the king. I know God has put me together by the teaching, the approval, and the, and the correction of God's word as well within my life. It's so essential that we are under God's word for all these reasons that it leads us to. Look at this again. This, um, this chart on what the Bible does. This is on our website right here. But uh, notice, and let's just say how God's word corrects us. Notice, the Bible's like a seed that, that, that saves us. So, so we're on a path of destruction, and God's word is what is used to correct us and ultimately save us. The Bible's like water that washes us. So we're filthy in sin. And the word God comes and and rebukes us and corrects us and cleanses us by showing us the gospel of Christ. The Bible's like a fire that that, that cleanses us. Again, the filth and things that are there, the impurities in our lives. The Bible corrects us and cleanses us like a fire that burns away those impurities. The Bible's like a hammer that shatters us when we're walking in in, in pride and we're there. We think it's all about us. And God in his grace comes and brings a hammer upon us and shatters us, corrects us, sets his grace. The Bible's like a sword that cuts deeply into us when we're confused and don't know. It's like a two-edged sword last week, Hebrews 4. The Bible comes and corrects us in this place and shows us how we should think. The Bible's like medicine to keep us from the sickness of sin. So when we are sick spiritually and we're going down such a wrong path, the Bible corrects us and gives us the antidote of the medicine that we need to be healthy. Here's the, the next slide, which is this. The Bible's like a mirror to reflect ourselves to us so without God's word we can't see our own face we can't see your own face you don't know what you really look like but the Bible shows us and no no you look like this and shows us who we are not and who we need to be correction the Bible is like a lamp to our feet so when we're in darkness and we can't see where we're going, the Bible is used to shine light. Oh, this is where I should go. The Bible is like a counselor that comforts us. When I'm fighting despondency and despair and the enemy's getting me, it comes in and corrects me and says, no, 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 no. You're a child of God, man. You, are, you belong to the king. And here's the place of comfort. The Bible is like a forecaster that never fails us. When my compass is busted, I have no idea where to go. God's word corrects me. Go this way, young man, and keep your life pure. The Bible is like... Like milk that nourishes us when all my diet is junk food and I'm wasting away. The Bible comes in and says, here's the nourishment you need in milk. Here's the solid food you need in the meat. All these things God's word does to correct us and point us to a path of where God can work. It's, it's really awesome, isn't it? The power of the word of God. It teaches me, it rebukes me, it corrects me. And lastly, it does this, it, it trains me, it trains me. Look at verse 16, it ends with, and for training and righteousness. Again, can I just say this as I read, the Bible is profitable for teaching or proof for correction, for training and righteousness. And verse 17, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Again, it boggles my mind as to why the word of God is not taught in so many circles. I just don't get it. How clear is the Lord here? He's so clear. And let me ask you, we want to be, Jay, the word training there or trained, it's like um, as a parent disciplines other children. 
there's a sense of um, the Bible takes us in this, in this training ground of development. Training in righteousness is a discipline. There's a formation of godly habits found in God's word. This is what God's word does. It trains me. God is like, um, in his word, it's like a parent in my life that, that leads me to the paths of what is, what is true. And, and God's word really becomes like a, um, um, the best personal trainer ever in my life. It comes alongside me, drop down and give me 50, but in a great way, you know, and builds spiritual muscle and helps me understand where I need to go and who I need to be. And, and just, again, let me ask you as I ask me, we take so much time to study in athletics or train in athletics and, and, and train in and study and, and training and training in, in, in hobbies. But do we allow ourselves to be trained in the righteousness of the Lord found in his word? Because this is what God uses again, that the, verse 17, that the man or woman of God may be complete, competent, equipped for every good work. You see that? You see that? You see it? So maturity, completeness, equipping, and competency for every good work comes from here. The training for the life that's mature in Christ comes from here. You cannot grow in maturity in Christ apart from his word. It's impossible. This is what God wants us to see. This is what God wants us to know. So imagine then, loved ones, just imagine so far, and I pray God is using this series just to build a resolve and just an undeniable desire for the rest of my life. There'll be, there'll be down days and there'll be up days, but for the rest of my life, God, may this book be open in my life. Imagine if this book gets closed then, okay? Imagine this book is closed, you don't stand a chance. I don't stand a chance. This church does not stand a chance. When this book gets closed, there's no hope for all the reasons God has laid out thus far that the man or woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Again, again, there's no authority like the word of God. So, so, did God really say? Uh, yes, he did, all right? Why, why? Because he said so, and he said so in his word. Why, why, why? He said so to save my life. He said so to transform my life. And I want you, just want to leave with this. I want to leave with this, okay? Remember, remember, the reason God's word, the reason he teaches, the reason he rebukes, the reason he corrects, the reason he trains by his word, why, why? Is so he can love you. It's all about ultimately bringing us to a place we are loved by God. He calls us, he corrects us to get us closer to him where we're most satisfied in the grace, mercy, and love of God. All the motivation of God is love. The whole point of his word is to get us in a place not so we're sitting there and getting a, a ruler on our hands, bad boy, bad girl. No, 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 it's to see the grace and the love and the blessing of our God. And that's why this book is written. This is the whole motivation of our God in these things. The authority of God's word at the end of the day is that we can be in the best possible place of receiving his love, again, his grace, his mercy, and that our lives are then used for his glory. Do you believe that? That's the truth. That's the motivation of God. Not to harm us. Not to, not to, not to make it burdensome. But to bless us so powerfully in him.